we can we can we can watch that at another time and it's worth the wait amen well that was weak but it's worth the wait amen we just got out of revival we just got out of revival amen yeah and so let's uh let's be thankful for the word of god amen and for his spirit and his presence and what he did in this house and uh, we, we want to watch the video, but we're going to do that. But just for the sake of time, I'm going to uh, redeem the time. And Teresa did such a wonderful job. And so I want to make sure that we watch it, but we want to do it at the right time. And so Second uh, Kings, turn there with me to Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 2. Second Kings chapter 2. Second Kings chapter two. We're going to read 15 verses here. Stay here with me. Amen. We're going to pray over the word and then we're going to read it. Father God, I thank you today for this time that we have to come to be in service. We're not in a hurry, but we want to definitely break open the word of God. And we thank you for it. We thank you for everything that we experienced this week. And God, I just feel in my heart that as the pastor, along with Thursday night service and today, this is an addendum, God, and just a continuation of, of what we heard and what was ministered to us this week. And God, I'm praying that you will just anoint these lips of clay. Let me speak with the voice of a prophet. God, prophetically speaking, empower me. And God, minister to this body today, and God will give you all the glory and honor. Let it not be in vain. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, and have your perfect will and way as you bring the anointed word today. In Jesus' most holy name, I pray and thank you. Amen. The Bible says, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven, by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And just so that you get kind of a history here, for some say eight years, some say ten years, Elisha, you heard Jared preach about how that he, he burnt the plow and slaughtered the oxen. What he was saying is, I'm cutting this tree limb off with me on it, and it's just me and God, Amen. I'm cutting it off, and I'm, 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 I'm trusting God and depending upon him. And Elisha followed and, and traveled with Elijah eight to ten years. And it came a point in time whenever God was about ready to take Elijah up, and Elisha was then going to receive the call and the mantle and the blessing and the double portion that God had purposed for him and planned for him. And so here we are at this moment. And the Bible says, And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord lives, liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the, the Lord will take away Thy master from thy head today. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> Did you get that for just a moment? Did you? I mean, you know, it seems like that people say the worst things at the at the time when you're when you're going through your most emotional time, or your or your greatest trial, or the greatest thing that you're getting ready to encounter. And they said, "Don't you know he's going to be gone today?" It's like when you go to the hospital to pray for somebody, you're believing God, and they go, yeah, I know somebody died from that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Just shut your mouth. Don't say nothing at all. And he said unto them, yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. 
And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho together. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah, Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. I want you to take notice that the only thing that was left was the mantle. And it says, And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. He found out where the Lord God of Elisha was, Elijah was, within him, upon him. <laughs> People that say God doesn't move like he did in the book of Acts, they're liars. They're deceived, they're in error, they don't know. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. God never ceased doing miracles. How do you know that? Because there's been too many people that have experienced miracles. I experienced a miracle. We saw miracles of, de of, of deliverance here this week. We saw miracles of encouragement and, and, and God touched people in their lives. So he didn't cease doing miracles, amen. He's still in the miracle working business. He's still operating in power and authority through his people. But he said, it says, and when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Now, I want to preach today a message entitled Prophetic Power. Prophetic Power. And I want to be careful in my wording because there is an office of a prophet in the fivefold ministry. But hear me today, church. There is also, uh, in all who are spirit born, spirit filled, and spirit led, the great power to be used by God to express his thoughts and mind and to speak, or through speaking, to be powerfully used to warn edify, exhort, and comfort. In 1 Corinthians 14, the Bible says this, and I want you to read it with me. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 3 says this. It says, follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts. In fact, in verse 31, verse 31 of chapter 12, just one page to the left, he said, covet earnestly the best gifts. 
and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So he says here, he says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in interpretation. But when you pray and speak in tongues, it edifies you unless there is an interpretation. Okay? But when somebody begins to be used of God in a mighty and a powerful way, You've got to know this today that they prophetically speak, they prophetically pray, they prophetically act. It's the power of God, the mind of God, the divine inspiration of God flowing through somebody and it's prophetic power at work. Okay? And so he says here, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. You're edifying yourself and that's all right. I prayed in tongues this morning when I was at the piano. The Spirit of God hit me. And He began to speak to me and minister to me in my heart. So we all, amen, can pray in the Spirit. There's a point in time whenever it's used as a gift in operation in a service. There's prayer in tongues and speaking in tongues. And I'm not going to get into a dissertation of that at this moment. But I will say this to you. What Paul was saying unto them is, listen to me. Be used of God to be powerfully you speaking unto people. Praying with your mouth. You will be ha- and walk in the, the power and the authority of a prophet. Every person in here, amen, uh, can possess that power and that authority and that, that ability to be able to speak. Because he says, uh, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, how, how be it or however. In the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesieth, verse 3, speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So you and I can be given the power of God through the Holy Ghost to speak to someone, to exhort them, to edify them, and to bring comfort to them by the Spirit of God. You don't necessarily have to be foretelling something in the future. You're just speaking something that they need right now. God wants His church to operate in prophetic power. That is encompasses so much prophetic prayer, prophetic preaching. Amen. I'm prophesying to you right now while I preach, as I preach. So remove the title. <laughs> remove the title for just a moment of prophet and don't get caught up in that. That's where people go wrong. They don't just let God use them. Just be used. You don't need a title that says prophet. Amen. Just operate in the prophetic power. (laughs) Amen. But remove the title for a second and just see the gift that God can flow through us all. And it comes by way of prophetic praying. Every time you intercede, God is working powerfully through you. Every time we sing or preach or exhort, it's at work. We began to sing this morning, God began to draw people in. That is, in essence, a power of prophecy in singing. Our church needs us to walk in the power of divine inspiration or they're never going to see or receive what they need to. Some people need comfort. Some people need exhortation. Some people need edification. Some people need somebody to operate in the power of deliverance. Some people need uh, people to operate in the power where they, they speak unto them something that will encourage them. It just operates in so many diverse facets, but our families need us to operate in prophetic power. Angela and myself have prayed and exhorted our kids throughout their lives often prophetically warning them and it was for their protection there were times two or three times I spoke to Kyle and Cameron and I told them don't do this don't go there stay away from that person to their protection for their benefit because somebody had a prophetic voice and one night Kyle took off and he said dad the very thing you told me don't get into that car 
because he said, I wanted to drag race with another guy when he was a teenager. And he said, and something hit me. He said, I heard your voice say, don't do it. Don't get in that car. And he said, they wanted me to drive. And I told him, no, I'm not going to do it because a dad was praying and got a hold of God. And he said, son, I'm warning you right now. I'm exhorting you. Don't get in that car and drive somebody else's car because the devil wanted to destroy him. But he had a prophetic voice speaking to him. So our families depend upon it. Our church depends upon it. Our children depend upon it. We need to operate in prophetic power. Now, Elisha was called to be the prophet. God knew it. Elijah knew it. Yet Elisha still had to pay the price. Don't miss any part of this message. He was called of God, but he had to pay the price to be the prophet that God called him to be at that time and season. Jared preached the cost. We heard that. Slay the ox, burn the plow. We heard that all week. This is God's will for every one of us to pay the price. Every one of his children, he wants us to operate in prophetic power. And again, it's someone used by God, not a title or an office, but prophetic power to to minister to somebody in a powerful way. The church is lacking and people sit in the church bound, tormented, depressed, full of anxiety, full of all kinds of things that hold them back from moving forward in God. And we wonder why it's because There is no power. That's why we have to have prophetic power. And we can have prophetic power. And it comes with a cost. When I was praying weeks before our our retreat, I knew Jared was coming. I had asked him. But as I was praying one day, the Lord spoke to me in prayer to have Stacy come. Never heard her speak. Barely had a, 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 a 15, 20 second conversation with her. So I didn't know her at all. But I know the God that I serve that told me to have her come. I had no idea all of the back, behind the scenes things that God was doing. I didn't know that. I didn't know she had just quit nursing 30 years. I didn't know that she went into ministry there at his church. I didn't know that she was praying and seeking God, you know, for for whatever open door. I didn't know that, but God knew that. There was a prophetic time in prayer, and God spoke it to me. She was praying, and she was believing God for an, an open door, prophetically praying. And our prayers begin to unite Amen. And God began to bring them together. And one of the greatest things that ever happened in our church in a long, long time was what we saw this week in the power of God through people that are a different voice with the power and the authority of God ministering to a people who need a touch from God. I had no idea or knowledge of all of that and what God was doing. If we are to operate in the power of the prophetic, there is a cost. Elisha had to surrender all things. We've already heard that story. We know that. But the the lad that had his lunch had to surrender everything so that Jesus could take it. And look at the results. Look how many people were affected by somebody that prophetically gave. The widow's handful of meal not only fed her, the prophet, but her son. She made him a cake first. Look how far-reaching it was in her own life. And greater than them being fed was the fact that God showed up and took care of a widow in the midst of a famine And he showed himself powerful. People look and they say, why? You know, they're Christians. It seems like that that their life is blessed. Yes. It's all right. And you know what? I'm not ashamed to say there's a blessing that comes when you serve God. Other than the fact that the devil probably reared his ugly head in your families and tried to stomp out what God did. I can tell you, for the most part, everybody's family was doing a lot better than they were last week. Well, that was weak. Maybe you're not, but I'm telling you, I am. 
Amen. Because of the blessing of God, because of somebody that prophetically spoke. She said, my son and I are going to make this cake and and we're going to die. We're going to eat it and die. That's it. There's no more. But a prophet came and he said, make God a cake first is what he was saying. I know he said, make me, but he said, make God a cake first is what he was saying. Give to God first and watch as he begins to multiply it and and begins to stretch it. You know, it's like Becky always says, God's math's not our math. Amen. Thank God. He makes it stretch. He makes everything. He makes that meal barrel continue to produce until the famine is over. Praise God. I surrendered. Listen, you say, well, pastor... I hope my mic doesn't go dead. I'm going to preach till it does. And then we got another one around here somewhere. So, amen. Yeah, Cameron's got life. What you don't realize is that equally to a lad giving his lunch or Elisha surrendering his livelihood and his whole life and the love of his father and father's business and the honor of his father or the woman making a, a, a cake first represents something that you do and you surrender to an authority, uh, really to an unknown outcome. Okay? Faith. Faith. You're believing in faith, but, but, but you're not seeing it yet. You're not possessing it yet. But in faith, you're stepping out. And any time you step out in faith, Even though there's a lot of unknowns, just step out and God will prove himself faithful. He will prove himself powerful and a promise keeper. Always. You know, I surrendered the authority of my pulpit this week. Amen. It's not everybody's pulpit. It's my pulpit. I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd. And for me to step aside and say, here, I'm going to trust somebody I do not know. I don't know what they're going to say, but I know the God that spoke to me. And I trust Him. Well, we see the results and the reward and the blessing and the fruitfulness of it. Surrender. Surrender is not easy, but it's worth it. If we are to operate in great prophetic power, there is a cost. There's a great cost. Jesus surrendered on the cross. And that is our ultimate example in the Word of God. The reward is or was so far reaching. In Hebrews 12, he said that we're to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Run this race with patience, looking unto Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That means he's a God that starts and completes and finishes. Amen. A lot of people only know him as the God that starts, but he's the God that completes. But looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, who for the reward that was set before him, the reward, the reward, the reward, the joy was you and I. The joy was bringing God glory. The joy was fulfilling the will of God. And you and I are the prized possession that Jesus purchased for. You and I, he died for us. And we stand here today redeemed, set free by the power of God because somebody paid the price. Somebody went to the cross of Calvary. There is a cost if we're going to operate in great prophetic power. But make no mistake, there's always a weight of the mantle. If we're going to have prophetic power, it doesn't come without a weight. A lot of people, a lot of Mothers, women, children. You know, they look at their dad, the priest of the house. He has a lot of authority, a lot of privileges, a lot of benefits. He's the leader, but he has a lot of weight. Amen. It's his responsibility to provide. It's his responsibility to protect. 
It's his responsibility to maintain a spiritual atmosphere. There's a weight. And the men that don't want to harp or don't want to uh, take on that weight and that mantle, they do what they want to do. And guess what happens? Their children, their family go by the wayside. But a man of God that will say, In this house, we're going to be a house of prayer, we're going to be a house of purity, we're going to be a house of praise. We're going to be a house of power. And I'm going to provide. I'm going to protect. I'm going to be the person that is going to be the leader and the priest in this. They're all P's. Amen. You can just, all of them start with a P. The priest of the house. The protector. The provider. Amen. The one that brings, you know, the prayer and prophetic prayer and praise and power. Amen. And purity. We have a call as fathers, as men of our home, to be a man and carry that weight. It's upon you, and it comes with great blessings and benefits. But church, if we don't take the weight, if we don't take the mantle, I can tell you the devil will see to it that some other evil, wicked person will take your children to hell and destroy your family. You have a responsibility. A lot of times we have a real noble conviction that we'll provide. We take that to heart. But we don't with the spiritual aspect of it, and that has to change. Amen. Make no mistake, there is always a weight of a mantle. If you and I will have such a mantle, we must feel the weight. Elisha felt the weight. Effective pastors, ministers, parents, husbands, teachers feel the weight. It's a weight. Jesus wept over Jerusalem, feeling the weight of sheep without a shepherd. Jesus wept over the woman that was a widow that just lost her son and she lost her husband prior. She has nothing and he wept over the widow of Nain, raised up her son. Amen. Where there's a weight, there's a power. Where there's a weight and that burden, you will pray for God to change it. The reason I stand here today, and I'm not even a, I'm not ashamed, I'm not being prideful, I'm not being boastful, but the reason I stand here today as the pastor is because at some point in my life I felt the weight of the spiritual burden in this city. That's why. That's why. That is why I'm here today. That is why this church is in existence today. And it was Leela Huffman that said to me, she said, Pastor, the burden that you carried in prayer birthed this church. I didn't even know that myself till years later. But Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He felt the weight of the mantle of the garden of Gethsemane, of death. But of, 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 of new life, the oil press began to bring forth the product, the produce of the crushing. The rich ruler for a moment felt the weight but refused it and walked away sorrowfully. Elisha felt the weight. And we're talking about a man that was not the son of a prophet. He was the son of a farmer. And I love how he responded to the sons of the prophets whose focus was on the emotion of the moment and not the weight of the mantle. Do you know your, 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 your prophet head is going to die today? He said, in essence, I believe he was probably thinking, is that what's on your mind? I'm concerned about who's going to pick this mantle up and take that anointing and run with it are you hearing me but I love how he responded to the sons of the prophets whose focus was on the emotion of the moment and not the weight of the mantle years ago we had somebody years ago when we first started this church we were just a few years in but we had somebody that was our youth leader for a short period of time and they just had a handful of sheep. And they backslid and left. Just left. 
So Sister Skiles and I went into our office with our secretary. I believe Becky was there. And with some other people that were leaders and on the board at the church at that time. And we broke the news to them. Because we knew our young people were going to be affected by the fact that somebody just abandoned their post and took off. And we're sharing that with them. And you could see the people in that circle that had the burden of the weight. Because there were other people that were like, okay, move on. And I'm like, we will move on. But to think that this is not going to affect these young people, to think that there's not some, something that's going to be you know, done in their heart and their life, they're going to, they're, the, the, the example, man has failed them. Shouldn't have, didn't have to, but did. And But what I'm trying to say to you is that the, the weight of that mantle, you could see it in that room of who was broken, tears running down our face. We're broken. And then there was a handful of people that were just like, they just kind of stood there like, we don't get it. And I'm like, yeah, you don't get it. Because there was 50 prophets on the other side of that Jordan, but only one went across the Jordan. Somebody's got to cross over. Somebody's got to obtain the mantle. Somebody. And you know what? I believe with all my heart that any of them could have, even though Elisha was the one that God handpicked. But any one of us, any one of us, we can have as much as God as we want, as much of God as we want. We can be in the powerful position of prayer and authority if we want. What do you want? So... In that room, we took notice of everyone's response and it told me everything I needed to know. It was the early stages of my education as a pastor. And he said, I'm trying to teach you something about people. Because there's people that are with you, but their heart's not with you. They may be there with you, but their heart's not with you. Their heart isn't the same as God's heart. That's why there's certain people that you don't see in certain positions. I'm going to be very careful before I let people cross this threshold up here on this platform to lead people into worship. Your life better be above board. You understand? You don't touch the holy things of God in any department. And that goes, I'm just responsible for this. You know, but children's ministry or any other ministry, we should be people that guard, amen, that guard. Do they have your heart? Do they have your heart? God will reveal it. But in verse 12, it tells us Elisha's heart. The first thing that he said was, my father, my father. Get, let me get back there. Whenever he began to see you know, the, the, the chariots come and, and Elijah being taken up. And verse 12, when Elisha saw it, he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he rent them in two pieces. This is very telling. And I want to share this with you. My spiritual father has just been taken up. Now what? And he said, The chariot... And the horsemen thereof was the mighty man of God, the man of power that stopped and started everything at the throne of grace for Israel. It was Elijah was the might and the power of a prophetic voice that stopped everything at the throne of grace. Are you hearing me? He was a force and a power of might of every victory that, that Israel had. Elish, Elijah was the one behind that. He was who God was talking to. He was the one that went up in the face of Ahab and said, you're the troubler of Israel. You and your household. You and all of the idolatry of Jezebel and all the prophets of Baal. You've caused the heavens to be shut up. But let me tell you something. God is the one that used him to shut it up and he's the one that he used to open it up. Amen. God. But what I'm trying to say is when Elisha said the horsemen there of the chariot what he was saying is the military might that which holds hell at bay just went up into glory in 
Now he's gone. Now what are we going to do? Now what are we going to do? The weight. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. The weight of the prophetic voice being gone gripped him. And what he did was he ripped he, the, the might and force behind the victories that someone has won that we might enjoy just got taken up. What he was saying is the weight of the cost is a lot. But the weight that's upon Elijah that now is gone, that held everything at bay in the spiritual realm and the heavenly realm, that prayed. Because a lot of people pray. But not everybody touches heaven. Do you hear me? A lot of people pray, but not everybody touches heaven. There's only a certain approach to God that touches heaven. Get mad if you want. I don't care. I'm not saying that I don't care and I'm being mean. I'm just telling you right now. I know that there is a prayer that touches heaven. And there is a lay me down to sleep prayer. Pin it on the wall. Why even quote it? Just pin it on the wall. There's no power behind it, but there is a power behind somebody that knows how to get a hold of God. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I laid in a, in a, in a chapel in, 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 in Birmingham, Alabama, weeping and crying over my brother-in-law until God said, get up. I'm going to heal him. He's going to be well. He's going to be healed. I laid there in that chapel for a long time, and I know that there's a voice that comes from God that says he's going to live and not die. Amen. He'll live and not die. And so as I heard that, I know the power of God and I know that there is a there is a approach to God that can pray and say God I want to stop this horrific thing at the throne of grace and God began to bring the answer that's just one time in my life that's just one time in my life I cannot even go into the the details and the history and you know most of them but there's a lot you don't know but the times that I laid down there and believed God for a miracle, he always brought the miracle. Amen. Amen. You want to know why? Brother Talbert said it years ago when SARS came out. This was back in when the bird swine flu or bird flu or whatever it was that came out in the early 2000s. He was at our house. And I remember he said to me, he said, you know what, Pastor Skiles? He said, that thing has been held at bay over there in China or wherever it came from. He said it's been held at bay because there's people in this nation that are praying against it and God has heard them and he has protected us. So, the weight is if I don't pray, oh, you're being conceited. I, I'm not. If you don't pray and get a hold of God, will they know him? Will they be delivered? I'm going to tell you right now. Our brother, Pastor Jared, my dear, dear friend, operated him and Stacy in a mighty power and authority. But this church sought God a long time before they ever got here. There's preparation that was made and laid with people that prayed. And sought God and fasted. Amen. And we saw the breakthrough that we wanted to see. And we needed to see. And I'm alright with that. I'm cool with that. But someone prophetically prayed for hell to be held at bay. When Peter was thrown in prison, the Bible says Herod was getting ready to take him. He already killed James. He's getting ready to take Peter. But the church prayed. The church prayed. Do you feel the weight of the necessity to pray? Do you feel that burden and that weight? Daniel and the three Hebrews prayed for the interpretation or else every other one of the king's advisors, including them, were dead men. Somebody has to pray. Somebody has to believe God. Somebody has to feel the weight. Had Elisha not prayed, there would have been no ditches. Are you hearing me? 
there would have been water but no ditches. Do you realize that as Jehoshaphat and Jehoram went before Elisha and said we found the prophet and they said we got a problem. We got a problem. And Elijah, I always share this but I don't think people get it. But Elisha looked and he said, Jehoshaphat I wouldn't even be talking to you if it hadn't been for this man right here. This man of God. I wouldn't even be talking to you but I'm going to go because he's a man of God. And he went in there and he prayed and he come back out and he said fill the valley full of ditches. Amen. Fill the valley full of ditches. It's not going to rain. It's not going to snow. It's not going to no nothing like that. There was a storm miles and miles and miles and miles away and it was coming. The water was coming whether they had ditches or not. Because it had happened days before. But he said fill the valley full of ditches. We need somebody to speak to us so we can capture what God has planned to pour out. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh. The weight of the mantle was clear to Elisha as he ripped his garment in two pieces. What he was saying is, I'm not a student no more. I am not a student anymore. I'm it. Some of you, God is revealing to you the weight of a mantle. And he's letting you know that it's a whole different ballgame when you're the man that operates in the prophetic power and office and when you're a student. Even Paul said it when we ought to have been teachers. We had to have somebody teach us. God wants to move us into a place where we operate so prophetically in power and authority and prayer and exhortation and comfort and words of encouragement and edification. He wants us to operate in that so awesomely. But there's a weight. And you know, when we first started this church, do you know what my greatest, greatest fear was? It wasn't preaching out to people. It wasn't even really a building. Do you know what it was? I'm the pastor now. I am the pastor. That scared the liver out of me. I sat under a man of God for so many years. And now I'm the one on the, on the, on the front, out in the front. And there came a day when God spoke to me and he said, no more calling Pastor Duke to get you, pray you through all of your stuff. I've called you to be the pastor, get on your face and get along with God. And you began to forge through your miracles and your victories yourself. I called you. You can go to people and ask them for advice or something like that. But he said, I didn't call you to pioneer a church for somebody else to carry it on their back. You have a responsibility. So when he ripped that garment in two and he picked up Elijah's mantle, what he was saying is, I'm no longer a student. Now, I'm operating in the prophetic power and office. It's me. What does that say to you and I? It moves us into a greater responsibility. (laughs) It reveals I'm no longer a student. I'm now a prophet. The order of my life I now stand highly accountable for. God delivered you from bondage. My God in heaven, don't go back to it. He's called you to minister to somebody. And he's called you to pour out. He's pouring out his spirit upon you to minister to people. You need to order your life in a certain fashion. You need to live in a certain uh, uh, accountability, highly accountable. I'm responsible. I must live surrendered now and holy and subjected unto God and submitted unto God. There's a reason Elisha got the double portion and the sons didn't. Because he carried the weight. He broke through. He stayed and he tarried. He paid the price. He never left Elijah's side. Faithful and persistent always gets the reward. 
Does not the Bible say that he's a rewarder of the diligent seeker? But Elijah, Elisha, went through every step with the prophet. I'm going to make this as quickly as I can. As quickly as I can. He went with Elijah to Bethel. He tried to get rid of him at Bethel. He wouldn't go. He tried to get rid of him at Jericho. He wouldn't go. He tried to get him to tarry on this side of Jordan. He wouldn't stay. He said, I'm not leaving your side. I'm not leaving your side. Bethel's the place of realization and revelation. Just ask Jacob that God is with you. And it is possible God can talk to me, that he would ever even desire to talk to me or use me. Yes, yes. Prophetic voices and prophetic power have to be at a place where you realize God can and will use me. Amen. Jericho was the place of confrontation. And one of these days, I'm going to preach these in greater depth. But for the sake of time, Jericho is the place of confrontation. The Holy Ghost is not for goosebumps or highs. It's to make you holy. It's to empower you. It's, it, it, you're like a light bulb. The Spirit of God is like that electricity. It hits you, and it affects everything around you. Are you hearing me? Whatever appliance you want to put on there, just know this much. Amen. That the Holy Ghost comes upon you, not so you can get up there and just be like this. Woo! Well, praise God. I'm glad you shouted. But Monday morning, whatever you got down there, don't call me and tell me you hate your wife. Don't call me and tell me you're ready to divorce your husband. No, amen. If the Holy Ghost comes upon you, he makes you holy and he leads and guides and directs you into all paths of truth. He gives you the Spirit of God so that you can discern, so that you can be used in a powerfully prophetic way and you speak and you begin to say, hey, this is what God is saying. Not so you can get off in a corner and say, Woo, I felt God. Well, praise the Lord. Now walk in it. I don't need a goose bump. I need prophetic power and authority. And I need to use it when I got it. Oh. So Jericho... Is the place of confrontation. The Holy Ghost that gives you the power to break through what seems impregnable, what seems impossible, to minister to walled up and walled off people to touch their lives. God empowers who will obey His will and minister His heart. Jordan is the place of expectation. It's stepping into the water first, then watching God move and part it. Folks, if we will believe we can walk, operate in the power and the might of God in prophetic power. I'm teaching you today what you already know, but you need to walk and operate in it. Amen. Amen. I don't care if you're a teacher at the school and you got a student that comes in that's having a bad day, you can speak prophetic life into them. Amen. Amen. I don't care if you're on the street and you see somebody out there and God tells you go over and talk to them, go over and speak prophetic life to them. My God, lay hands on them if they need prayer. Pray for them. You say they, 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 they need something to eat. Well, grab in your pocket and pull out prophetic money <laughs> and begin to feed them and give them what they have need of. Praise God. Give it to them. Give it to them. Speak it to them. Love them. Amen. Show them the power of God. Because you are the answer. You are God's. Listen to this. If you don't hear anything else I say, you and I are God's vehicle of expression. You shouldn't have to say, well, I don't have the power to do it. Let me take you to somebody that does. What's that say about you? Let's pray and believe God. Let's pray and believe God. 
But folks, if we will believe we can walk operating the power and the might of God in prophetic power, we'll do it. You got to understand it. the question will be asked, what do you want? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of thy spirit. Yes, that is great power. Elisha did great things and great power and great exploits for God in the kingdom of Israel. But it is your father's experience as well as your own. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I said, God, what is that double portion? And I put a question mark on my notebook. And I went in and I went to bed and I laid there in my bed. And I said, God, you've got to show me that. And I just forgot about it. I said, I'll get up in the morning. I'll do some more study on it. And I'll pray on it. And I want you to speak to me. Now, somebody else may give you another interpretation, but I'm telling you what God spoke to me. Hallelujah. And Ben Okello, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ben Okello confirmed it to us. My ceiling is my children's foundation and footstool. For the prophet to die and there to be nobody there to take his place and secede him or in succession means that the church either goes in decline or it stays the same and it never stays the same. It always goes in decline. But, he, but where there is a prophet that receives that mantle, what he does is he says, this is my father's top. This is his ceiling. Now I'm stepping up here on top of where he was and I'm going up even further. So the double portion is his portion and my portion. It's what he poured in me and what I found out myself and learned myself. It's his experience and my experience. Amen. 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 My children have watched God do miraculous things in this church. They've watched God heal their dad. They've watched God. Their dad pray, their mom and dad pray and begin to pay, pay the bills and watch God do miracles in this church and in our family. We've watched kidneys, amen, come to, to be that weren't there before. We've watched God raise up our baby and give him a blood transfusion from Calvary. We've watched God pay the bills. I've watched God as we needed $1,900 and a man slipped it in my pocket that didn't even go to this church. They've watched me as I laid in a hospital bed, bleeding from my brain, but hear the voice of God say, get up and walk and be healed. So yes, the double portion is greater power, but the only reason it's greater power is because this guy didn't have to go through all of the things that I did to learn what I learned. My ceiling is his beginning. It's his platform. And I hope to shout that him and my boy, I can tell you, Cameron, both of them, they're going to a higher place. They're, your children will go to a higher place. Amen. Amen. Benjamin and Alex already got a good head start. They've already got a foundation. They're both filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ben stood over there and gave greater revelation. Than, and Jared was taken back by it. As he's been raised in this church. Spirit of God's upon him. Of course he's going to speak. He doesn't have to go through and be in his 30s before he comes to Jesus when his life's broken down. He doesn't have to go through all of that as a rite of passage. No, he's going to pass right on through to the other side of Jordan as the prophet made a way through that Jordan River. And then he's going to take that mantle and he's going to say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Right here, right here. Come on, church. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. My God in heaven, do you hear what God is saying? We can have prophetic power. So pay the price for it. Take the weight willingly. Take the weight willingly. And say this. 
take the weight willingly and say, God, my kids are going to serve God. Third generation. Third generation. Because even though your Grandpa Terry was a pastor, I did not live with him. I did not have a Christian in all essence. Mom, I'm sorry if you're hearing this, but I didn't have what I bequeathed to you and me and your mama gave to you and your brother. I didn't have it. Patty didn't have it. Gilbert didn't have it. I had some semblance of Christianity, but nothing like we gave to you and they gave to their kids. Amen. Nothing like Tom gave to his kids. Nothing like you all in here are giving to your children. So they can walk in the strength and the power of God. They don't have to go through all of this stuff that attaches to them that they got to shed for five or ten years before they can walk in victory and be an able-bodied minister of the gospel. Our kids have cast out probably more devils than we did in our, in our first ten years. They've done it in a year. They've seen, come on now, they've seen more of the power of God and, and, and spiritual warfare than we ever saw. We saw it, but we ain't seen it like, they, like they're experiencing it. It's different. Why am I saying this? Because church, we are at a different place. We have to operate in prophetic authority. We can't go backwards. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We got to move forward. We got to move forward. We got to move forward. Amen. I believe in this house, God's going to raise up a lot of people. He's going to do a lot of things to do here local, and he's going to launch people out. I'm ready for that when the time comes. I don't want anybody to leave, but I know one day that that's going to be my reality, and that's all right. But I know this much. I know this much. There's a price for it. There's a weight of it. There's a pursuit of it. There's a responsibility. I'm not a student anymore. I'm not a student. I'm speaking prophetically. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So he got his double portion. It's the greater things than these shall you do. Jesus said, go tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power and then go. Go. Cast out devils just like you saw me do and like I empowered you to do. But now you're walking in the authority and the power and the anointing prophetic office and I'm not here but my spirit is. It's the as I was with Moses, I shall be with you. Some only know the power of their mentor. I know people that flat out preach the school of Christ. And you know, you want to say, I went through the school of Christ. And there are times I preach snippets of the school of Christ. But I cannot preach Brother Clendenin's message. I have to be my own message. I have to have my own message. But there's people that will be like the seven sons of Sceva. We come against you in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches about. Can you imagine the devil just went? For just a second, they almost fooled me. Jesus, we know. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows Jesus in hell. They've always known him from the time they were created. And Paul, we know him. We've had a few scraps with him. 
Seven sons of Sceva, one devil, beat him up, stripped him down, run him out of town naked. You better walk in power and authority or that devil will do that to you. What's even sadder is that he lives in people and they allow it. They open themselves up to it. But the church has to come in power and prophetic power and see people loosed and freed. That is what I'm preaching to you today. It's a price tag for it. Let us not fall back into our norm, but let us take that mantle, what God has done in us, and move on in God. Praise God. Praise God. It's knowing God's power for yourself. And making him known. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Sister Lupe, would you come? And my sister to come. She's going to help us out today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just bow your heads in prayer? Help my sister up here. Jesus. It's all there, sis. Just jump on there. You don't have to worry about nothing. Amen. Father, today, I thank you for this time to come, Lord, and preach your word. And I don't know if everybody got it, but I know some people got it. And I did exactly what you asked of me to do today, Lord. And I'm praying, God, that you will draw by your spirit. There's those this morning, Lord, they want to operate and step out in that prophetic power and office. And Lord, we have to move beyond just the Holy Ghost feeling and get into the Holy Ghost doing. I pray that you draw by your spirit today in this house, men and women, that want to move in and pursue you more and grow in closer and experience more in you and accomplish more for you. Reaching people, reaching, furthering the kingdom. You said, Lord, in your word, in the Lord's prayer, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let that be our cry today in our heart. Lord, this may seem like it's more for church members and people that have been touched by God this week. It's all right. But Lord, this morning before we leave, I want, I'm asking you, Lord, to draw by your Spirit people in here that do not know you and are not serving you and are not saved. I pray you draw them by your Spirit and through the prophetic voice and prophetic words sung, prayed, prophesied that you draw by your Spirit in the name of Jesus.